I'm stealing pastor's title from this morning. Is that okay with you, pastor? Okay. This is Reaching the World Like Jesus Part 2. This is Part 2. You know, it's the sequel. This is the sequel to the morning message. Take your Bibles over to Acts Chapter 8. Reaching the World Like Jesus Part 2. I've been praying about for a number of days, Lord, what would you have me preach? And really couldn't get peace about what God wanted me to preach until I heard the message this morning. And God said, Acts chapter 8, reaching the world like Jesus, part 2. As we come to Acts chapter 8, we're back in Samaria, where Pastor was this morning in John chapter 4. And in John chapter 4, we hear the amazing story of the woman at the well. And how Jesus says, I must needs go through Samaria. And Jesus goes to where no Jew goes and sits there in Samaria and leads this woman at the well to himself. The woman at the well, as we heard this morning, shares her testimony with others. And pretty soon the whole city is coming out. And many are believing on Jesus for the word and testimony of the lady whose life has been changed who was living an immoral life, and Jesus has changed her life, and also because of the words of Jesus. Now when we come to Acts chapter 8, we're fast-forwarding a number of decades later, but we're in the same area, the area of Samaria. Notice with me Acts chapter 8, and as you go over there, we want to say a huge, huge thank you. We couldn't say thank you enough for your love and your care for our family, For Tiffany and her family, and for your missionaries, this is a special church. A church that we can tell truly gets it, what it's about. And that's, it's all about the gospel. Getting the gospel to people, seeing God transform lives through the power of the gospel. And God's word still changes lives in 2022. Or if you're in Ethiopia in 2015, because it's Happy New Year 2015 today in Ethiopia. They're about seven years behind us or so on their calendar their orthodox calendar. But you know what? No matter if it's 2015 or 2022, pre-COVID or during COVID or post-COVID, whatever time it is, people need Jesus and Jesus still changes lives. And so we're thankful for a church family that gets that. And we're thankful to see young men and families who have a heart to follow God's call and to reach the world with the gospel. And we just want to say thank you really from the bottom of our hearts for everything, the lodging, the love offerings, your love and care and prayers, we know it's genuine. We can see it's from your hearts. And we just want to say a heartfelt thank you uh, at this time. Acts chapter 8 is one of my favorite chapters in the Word of God. Now, you probably know why if you know your Bible, because it's all, a lot of it's about Ethiopia, okay? And that's where God's called us, and we love the country of Ethiopia, and we're so blessed to serve God there. But the Bible says here in Acts chapter 8, Notice with me, beginning at verse number four. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And verse 8 says, and there was great joy in that city. Philip is being a great example 
of a person who is reaching the world like Jesus. And we meet Philip first back in Acts chapter 6. Take your Bibles back there if you have them. Acts chapter 6. And the church is having some division and they need some help. And in Acts chapter 6, the Bible says in verse 3, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Verse 4 says, But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, And then notice, Philip is the second name listed. Philip was a man who was known for not being led by his own flesh and by his own selfish desires, but a man who was led by God's Holy Spirit. A man who followed God's word, and he was willing to serve in any capacity. You know, the test of our Christianity is not whether we're willing to wash Jesus' feet. The test of our Christianity is is whether we're willing to wash Judas' feet. And Philip says, hey, God, if you call me to do it, whatever you call me to do, I'm willing to do it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 tells us what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. When we realize we've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, then we will have no choice but to reach the world like Jesus Christ. Because it changes us from the inside out. We don't get saved by our good works, but we have good works appointed in our lives as believers. And we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. God has already prepared good works before us to do for His glory, that others may see the light of the Lord in our lives and they may glorify our Father which is in heaven. And Philip was a man who honored Jesus Christ. He was a man who God could use because he was not all about himself. He was all about Jesus. And in Acts chapter 6, we see that he's a man that's full of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And when you know you get to Acts chapter 7, the next chapter, you see Stephen, the first Christian martyr, often people would say during the church age. And who's the second man on that list in Acts chapter 6? Philip. Philip was the second man this massive megachurch, the first church there in Jerusalem, thought of when they thought of, hey, we know a guy who's not all about himself. He's all about God. He's all about pleasing Jesus. These are godly men that we can appoint to leadership positions because we know they're not in it for themselves. They're in it to please Jesus Christ. And God began to work in Philip's life. And as Philip submitted his life to Jesus Christ, God began to do some great and mighty things in his life. And after Stephen sees Jesus and goes to heaven at the end of Acts 7, we come to Acts chapter 8. And we're introduced to Saul, who would later become what we often call, of course, the Apostle Paul. But Acts chapter 8 is really more focused on this man named Philip. And Philip has now gone from serving in the church in Jerusalem to great persecution has come. 
as most Christians in most of world history have endured great persecution for following Jesus Christ. And the same thing has happened there in Jerusalem. And the church has been scattered abroad. And Philip goes, and what is the church doing everywhere they go? They're preaching the word. They're preaching the word of God. They're letting people know. They're sharing the gospel. And the one that we zone in here on Acts chapter 8 is this man, Philip. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Now, how amazing is this? This morning we heard about how the Samaritans were reached for the first time. How a woman of Samaria who had been had five husbands and the husband she, the man she was living with was not her husband. How Jesus changed her life because that's what Jesus is in the business of doing. He's in the business of changing lives no matter where you're at or what you've done. He can transform and change you and use you for his glory if you'll let him. And we see here in Acts chapter 8 a man who's greatly used by God. Philip, and what is he doing? He's preaching Christ to this same city where the woman at the well was. Jesus had been there, okay, probably about 30 years around that time before this time. Now it's the next generation. You know, every generation needs Jesus Christ. The kids in here need Jesus Christ. And parents, the, the central focus of our parenting should be the gospel of Jesus Christ. And teaching our kids from a young age, hey, guess what? You're a sinner, and you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you need the transforming power of God in your life. All my rules and regulations can't change you. Only Jesus can do that. And now we're to the next generation. Now, I can imagine maybe the woman at the well is sitting in the back of the crowd, and now she's an older lady, and you can see the joy of the Lord on her face. And you can see, and she's praising the Lord for all God has done. And now God has brought Philip, who's a follower of Jesus. And even though Jesus has gone back to heaven, his followers are doing what he's called them to do. And they're multiplying all across the world. Jesus said, hey, I want you to go to Jerusalem. And then I want you to go into Judea. And then I even want you to go into Samaria. And then from there, I want you to go to the uttermost. And Philip got it. Philip said, okay, Lord, if that's what you're telling me to do, I'm going to do it. And you know where Philip started? Jerusalem. You know where he ended up? Going through Judea, and then he's preaching in Samaria. And God's using him in a great way. He's preaching to large crowds because Jesus and the woman at the well and others have already come to Christ, and the ground is already fertile because others have already planted seeds. And now the fruit's popping up as Philip preaches the gospel. Many come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And you know what happens when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? There's great joy. There's great joy. Most Americans and most Westerners would think we are crazy for taking our family to deepest, darkest Africa and moving there. They would think you've lost your mind. I can't tell you how many unsaved people we have met, and, you know, we'll be stopping at a truck stop, you know, a Flying J or something else in the mainland, and you're, you're traveling thousands and thousands of miles, and you go in, you know, to use a restroom, and you start talking to some guy, oh, what do you, go, what do, you do, you know? Oh, I'm a Christian pastor in Africa, you know, and oh, okay, like, and oh, you have a family, you know, they'll see, or they'll see our boys, you know, the three, those three white boys you saw in the picture, as Pastor King said this morning, and they'll say, oh, you're not bringing your children, right? No, we're bringing our children. 
We're teaching our children to trust God and to live by faith and that there's great joy in the city where Jesus is. There's great joy in following Jesus. And Philip got that. And Philip raised his family for the Lord. If you read the context of Philip's life and Philip's family, loved the Lord. And Philip then ends up in Samaria. And he does his work. And verse 8 says, And there was great joy in that city. But then we see again, as always, Satan is also active when God is working. And he's always trying to destroy the work of God. And the more submitted you are to the will of God, the more Satan puts a target on your back to take you out because you're making a difference for Jesus Christ because you're living for Jesus Christ and you're calling to him and he's doing great and mighty things that you can't comprehend because you're trusting him and you're following him and you're submitting to him and Satan's not happy with that. And and problems and divisions come again as you read some more of Acts chapter 8. But then as we get down to verse 25, notice what it says here in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 and verse 25 tells us, And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. God is breaking down barriers because that's what the gospel does. It breaks down preconceived barriers that many of us were raised with that we're better than someone else based on how much money we make or based on our nationality, or based on the color of our skin. But we know in Jesus Christ there's neither bond nor free. There's neither Jew or Greek. There's neither male nor female. As Paul said in Galatians chapter 3, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus, by faith in Christ Jesus. And as the gospel comes to places, it brings peace, it brings joy, and it brings unity. In our church in Ethiopia, we have all four of the largest ethnic groups, people from those ethnic groups in our church. That's unheard of in Ethiopia. You know, two of those ethnic groups right now are actually one of those and kind of all the other ones. They're fighting against each other right now today in a civil war going on in Ethiopia. But in our church, we have peace. We have unity. We have love. Why? Because of the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel to change lives. And we have Tigray people in our church and Amhara people in our church and Oromo people in our church and Southern nations and nationalities people in our church and Americans in our church and Canadians in our church. And we have three languages in our church, English and Amharic and Oromina and many other languages. A couple months or so ago, Pastor, we went around the room in our church and we asked everyone what languages they know. And I think in our church, there's, I think, around 15 to 20 languages represented that these people can speak. But you know what? We have great unity in our church because we're centered around the Word of God and the Son of God and doing the will of God for our lives, and that changes people's lives. And Philip was getting it. As Philip got it, he said, I have to go. I have to go where God leads me to go. And notice with me, verse 26 and 27, as we talk about Philip, a man who reached the world like Jesus. A man who lived his life like Jesus and for Jesus. Verse 26 and 27 tell us, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, 
and eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. You know the first thing we see about reaching the world like Jesus, part two? You know what we see tonight? We see the going. You know, the world will not know unless we go. The world cannot know the truth of the gospel unless we're willing to go where God's called us to go. And as long as we stand on the sidelines and say, well, that's for someone else, but it's not for me, when God's calling us to go to our neighbor and go across the street or across the seas or across the states or wherever it may be, as long as we sit idly by, we're living in disobedience. Because God has called us to go. Not just the full-time minister or pastor or missionary. God has called each of us to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Notice with me 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. The Bible tells us here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 and 21, Now the, then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you or beg you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, sinful mankind, who knew no sin, that we, mankind, might be made the righteousness of God in him, in Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus has done for us. And verse 20 tells us we are literally the representatives of Jesus Christ to a lost world. Jesus said, I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to leave you as my personal representative to reach others with the gospel. That's a big responsibility. That's what God has called us to do. My dad grew up in western New York, right near Buffalo, New York, very cold area, lots of snow. And my dad grew up about 10 minutes away from Niagara Falls. Beautiful area, uh, quite cold again in the winters, but we grew up being big Buffalo Bills fans. It's a good year to be a Buffalo Bills fan, in case you're wondering. Or we're hoping it'll be a good year. We're not quite sure. You know, we're hoping maybe they won't lose four Super Bowls in a row again, you know. Uh, but I grew up, you know, being a Buffalo Bills fan. Why? Because my dad was from that area. But my dad grew up in a very religious family. His parents were prestigious members of their community. They were part of the Lions Club. They were part of all of these community clubs, and through the years they worked themselves up through, and they had a lot of respect in their community. My dad grew up in a family of nine children. His birth mom left after the, she had four or five children and left the kids with dad. And shortly after that, my, my grandpa remarried. And they had another four or five kids. My dad grew up in a family with nine children from two separate moms. And there was a lot of dysfunction and a lot of difficulties in that home. But they grew up being religious. Because if you lived back in that time in the States, most everyone, when you woke up on Sunday, things were closed. And everyone went to church. Because it was cultural. And so he went to church. He heard about Jesus Christ. But he did not know Jesus Christ. He did not understand. He had to repent of his sins and put his faith in Jesus Christ. But my, my, uh, my grandpa was the administrator at a hospital in that area. And my dad was a teenager and needed a job. And my dad got a job as a janitor at that local hospital. 
and uh, he was, uh, you know, mopping the floors there and doing those things. Well, while he was there, he met a young lady a few years older, and she always seemed to be joyful. And my dad watched this lady over time and said, there's something different about this lady that I don't have. And he began to watch this, this lady's life, and she was going through some different trials in her life. But she seemed like no matter what circumstance she was facing, facing in life, she would still had this happiness. And my, my dad's thinking, what is up with this lady? She's always happy. She's always joyful. And this lady, Gail Verhag is her name, began to witness to my dad. And soon after that, my dad came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Gail Verhag, I'll see her in a couple of weeks at our sending church in Buffalo, New York area. She's the wife of the treasurer that deals with all of our mission support every month. And she still has the same joy in Jesus that she had 43 how many, 40, yeah, 43, 44 years ago when she led my dad to Jesus Christ. You know, because one person cared and was an ambassador for Jesus Christ and said, I'll go for Jesus when I'm working at the hospital, my life was changed. Because I would not be here today if it wasn't for the testimony of Gail Verhey. My mom grew up in a devout Catholic family. Very devout. My mom even considered being a nun in the Catholic Church. Very devout Catholic. Went to St. Mary's Catholic Church. My mom grew up in upstate New York, the beautiful Adirondack Mountains, where you see all those beautiful pictures of all the leaves that fall changing and Lake Champlain and maybe you've heard of Lake Placid and the Olympics and the USA hockey team that won the big Olympics up there. My mom grew up, you know, not too far from that area. Beautiful area. Devout Catholic. At the age of 18, my mom was attending the only public high school in her town called Ticonderoga. Some of you history buffs might know about Ticonderoga and Fort Ticonderoga and the Ethan Allen and the Green Mountain Boys and the Revolutionary War. Amazing story. And my mom grew up just a few minutes away from the fort, Fort Ticonderoga. But a public high school friend, just out of the blue, invited my mom to First Baptist Church of course, probably the only Baptist church in this town. But it was First Baptist Church, as many of them were called long ago, and invited her to come to a special meeting going on. My mom was curious about that, and it was, I don't know what night of the week it was, but my mom decided to attend. She'd never, I don't believe, been to any other church outside of her Catholic church. And my mom that night heard some preacher, I don't even know who, get up, and it doesn't matter who, by the way, because it's about Jesus Christ. And my mom heard that night for the very first time in her life that to get to God was not through some religion that you, way you had, religious way you had to follow, but that Jesus was the way. That if you can repent of your sins and you can come to faith in Jesus Christ, you can know 100% sure you're on your way to heaven. And my mom that night trusted Jesus Christ as her Savior. And both of my parents, again, would go on but to, to follow the Lord with their lives and continue to follow the Lord and are so excited that we're there serving God as our family in Ethiopia. But you know why I'm there today? Because of some public high school girl that I don't know her name and a faithful Christian lady working at the hospital. What am I saying? Someone has to go. Someone has to go to their next-door neighbor. You know, one of the greatest mission fields you have is your workplace. 
God allowed me to see multiple of my coworkers at different jobs come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And you have a great opportunity ministering in the secular world, working a secular job, to be able to witness to your coworkers, to show them a life that's filled with the fullness of God found in Jesus Christ and not the emptiness of the world that leads to nothing but destruction. Philip said, okay, Lord, I'll go. If you want me to go, I will go. Verse 28 says, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. Philip immediately obeys. The Bible says in verse 30, and Philip, do you notice that next word? And Philip walked casually over and said, okay, I guess, God, if you want me to, I'll get to it. I love that next word. And Philip ran. Philip, remember, had just gone on a long journey. He was reaching the multitudes, and maybe everyone thought, wow, Philip, he's preaching to this big crowd, and he must be important. But the Holy Spirit says, I want you to leave the crowd, and I want you to go to the one. I want you to leave the big group, and I've got one person I want to reach with the gospel, and I want you to reach him. And Philip is close enough to God to hear his voice, to hear the Holy Spirit's conviction and the Holy Spirit's leading in his life to say, okay, Lord, this is a divine appointment from you. And Philip doesn't just go, but next we see that he guides. We see the going, but secondly, tonight, we see the guiding. The guiding. Isn't it amazing how God works all of our circumstances when we're seeking after the truth to bring us to Jesus Christ? God was already working in the Ethiopian man's heart long before Philip ever met him. Long before Philip was ever told by the Holy Spirit to go meet him, God said, hey, I've done my work and now I want you to go do yours. And this Ethiopian man had traveled up to Jerusalem And while he was in Jerusalem, he had obviously seen what was going on and these people being baptized and following someone. Maybe he didn't know, but that someone was talking about the Christ or the Messiah. And while he's there in Jerusalem, before he leaves to head back to Ethiopia, a very long journey of many thousands of miles, this Ethiopian man picks up a scroll. They didn't have the full written word of God like this, but they did have Old Testament scrolls, very expensive, copied out by hand. And this man, the treasurer, the finance minister of Ethiopia, one of the great kingdoms of that time, picks up, and of all the scrolls he picks up that day before he leaves from Jerusalem, it's a scroll of Isaiah chapter 53. And he doesn't really know what it means. Because he, he's never really been in church. He doesn't really know the Bible. So God's going to connect him to a believer who does know the Bible to explain the Bible to him. That's how God works. You know, God's already working in other people's lives around you. All you have to do is be obedient to following where his Holy Spirit leads you and share the word of God with them. And God will save them. And have you, When's the last time you prayed, Lord, guide me to the person that needs you? Lord, work right now in my neighbor's life and in my family's life that don't know you and in my coworker's life. Lord, do the work only you can do to get them searching and questioning and thinking about you. 
and knowing that without you there's no peace, there's no joy, there's no fulfillment, there's no life. And then, God, in your time, lead me right to those people so that I can take the word of God and I can explain to them and they can come to know the truth of the gospel. That's all Philip's doing. He's just being obedient. Obedient. When we were little kids, we used to sing. Probably when we were about Van's age, when I was teaching him, you know, 17 years ago. Now he's all grown up and his beard looks way better than mine. Because all I can grow is a goatee, man. If I try to grow the rest, it doesn't look good, you know? But Van's got, like, the full beard going on now. I mean, he's more manly than I am now, you know? I mean, 17, 17 years later. But, you know, when we were in that class, maybe, I mean, Van, maybe you remember, maybe we sang that song, Obedience. You remember that one? <laughs> Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands. Doing it happily. Action is the key. Do it immediately. Joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Philip's life was a perfect example of that song. When you obey, the joy comes. When you obey, the fulfillment comes. When you do what God's called you to do. And Philip was just living in obedience to Jesus Christ, not living for himself. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Lose your life, Jesus said, and you will find it. And that's what Philip had done. He'd lost his life. He'd lost his own dreams and goals and ambitions for whatever the world's definition of success was. And he had said, I'm going to live for God's definition of success and be obedient and faithful to him. And because he did that, when God looked for a man to lead someone to himself, he found Philip. When God looks for a man that he can lead others to himself, does he find you? Does he say, okay, I can use that man right there. I can use that lady right there. They're submitted to me. They're praying. They're spirit-filled. They're full of wisdom and the Holy Ghost and they're full of faith and I can use that person for my glory because they're seeking after me. We see in the next verses, verse 30 says, and Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, how can I? Except some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. They're in the middle of the desert, but God sees you in the middle of the desert. And God knows you no matter where you're at, no matter what desolate place or lonely place you're in. God sees you when you call out to him, when you look to him searching for the truth. I believe he'll bring someone into your life to share the truth with you. And in this case, it's the man named Philip. And because Philip's obedient, and can you imagine if Philip had delayed you know, can you imagine if he'd stopped off at ABC stores, you know, which is like, I've never seen so many stores in one section in any place in the world. I, ABC store, we counted seven, like around one block. We're like, this is crazy. Can you imagine if he stopped off in there, you know, to get some more of those macadamia nuts covered with chocolate and a nice drink? And man, I'm tired. Doesn't God know I've been preaching and teaching in Samaria? Now he wants me to go see one person. Doesn't God know that I'm important? You don't see any of that in Philip's life. Pride leads to a fall, but humility leads to victory. 
And when we see that humility in Philip's life, you know what God does with him? Right at the exact time that Philip's traveling all these many miles, a number of days journey to get to the Ethiopian man, God is bringing the Ethiopian man and they meet right at the exact moment. It's a divine appointment. And that's the way God works when we're obedient to him. And this man has this scroll of Isaiah 53. And right as Philip comes up on his chariot, this man has this scroll out. And he's reading it and he's going, I don't understand what this is saying. How in the world can I understand this? Verse 31, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. God brings Philip along just at the right time to explain that this man you're reading about in Isaiah 53 is none other, the Christ is none other than Jesus of Nazareth. And he has died, he has been buried, and he has risen again, and Philip is able to take the Old Testament Scriptures and lead someone to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ before the New Testament Scriptures are even written. And God uses Philip to guide this man. And God wants to use you to share the word of God with others and to guide them to a saving knowledge of him. I love these cool little tracks. Pastor put some in our, uh, our little nice gift bag that he left for us. Just such a blessing. And we've been able to pass out a number of these already uh, here in Honolulu. But I love this. I want to pick it up and read it. You know, I don't know. I almost wanted to get saved again. It was so nice, you know. <laughs> but then I realized I wanted to be saved one time, you know. So I didn't do that. But I love this. You know what this is? This is a gospel tool. This is your tool for divine appointments. That wherever God places you, when you're in his will and living in obedience, there are going to be people who need to hear this message. And God wants to use you to reach them with the gospel. There in Ethiopia, we've had the privilege of passing out probably about over 30,000 gospel tracts. Why do we do that? Why do we go out with gospel tracts in the languages of the people? Because people need Jesus, and people will only know about Jesus when you share them with him. When you share Jesus with him. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 tells us, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And the reason we need to know the Word of God, one of the reasons is so that we can share it with others and others who are not biblically literate and they don't know who the Messiah is and they don't know what sin means and they don't know about the price for their sin. That you can say, hey, do you know that God loves you? Could I tell you for a minute that everyone's a sinner and has broken God's laws? Can I tell you that because we are guilty, the Bible says our sin has a price that has to be paid? And Jesus Christ died and rose again to, pray, to pay for your sin. And if you will turn from your sin and pray and ask Jesus to be your Savior, you will have eternal life. That's why you're here on this earth, to share that message. And Philip got that. And 2,000 years later, do you get it? Do we get it? That's what we're here for. That's our mission. Our mission is to go and to guide others because others we're going to see here at the end of this passage tonight, others need the gospel. They need the gospel. 
They don't need to just leave church with another motivational message that says nothing about sin or nothing about uh, how we need Jesus Christ and without him we're lost and that he's the only way. People need to hear the truth. People need to hear the truth of what the Bible teaches. And we need to not shy away from that. It's the word of God that changes lives. And we need to share it with others. Notice with me as the passage goes on. Philip explains this passage from Isaiah chapter 53. What does he explain? Verse 35 tells us, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. The message was not complicated. The message was simple. One of the young men you saw in the video, I had just finished baptizing him. Towards the beginning part of the video, kind of had his hands on his face. That was the very first Ethiopian man I ever got to baptize in our church. You know that young man, his name is Fikadu. And Fikadu is a shine boy. And boys come in, teenage boys and young men from all over Ethiopia, trying to raise money for their families, and they become shine boys. And they're all over on the streets there, and you can go up and sit down and get your shoes shined or your shoes cleaned for about 10 cents, okay, in American money, about five burr or maybe 10 burr, okay, 10 or 20 cents. And you know what? It's an opportunity to share the gospel. And one of our church family, as they went down that road early on in our church, began to witness to Fikadu. And Fikadu came to church and trusted Jesus as his Savior. And Fikadu then was the first Ethiopian that I baptized. And it's so exciting to see the power of the gospel that transforms lives. Uh, Burhanu was our taxi driver the last about three years of our ministry. We haven't had a vehicle, uh, again, in the last about five years. But God has blessed us with two great taxi drivers. And honestly, we have learned a lot about our culture and language, probably more so than maybe others who've been there that length of time because of being with Ethiopians. And we've been blessed in this season and content with where God has us. And God bless us with this taxi driver. His name's Burhanu. Burhanu means the light. And Burhanu came to the light shortly before we met him. He had met another missionary, and he wasn't too sure on some things, but an Ethiopian man in that church shared the gospel with him, and he came to Christ. But Burhanu had never been discipled. He'd never been baptized. He really wasn't faithful to church. He was kind of just coming to church off and on, probably more so because there was some business there, and he still wanted the business as a taxi driver. But when we moved to our area, Burhanu started coming to our church and became our faithful taxi driver. We were with, I especially was with multiple days a week doing ministry. And we began to talk to Burhanu, and Burhanu became a close friend. And Burhanu had always told us, yeah, I live with my wife. I live with my wife, and I even met her a few times. She's Orthodox. And these are my two kids here. Well, come to find out, a few years later, Burhanu finally opened up, and God was working in his life as he was coming faithfully to church and being convicted through the word of God. And Burhanu came to me one day with his head kind of down and said, Pastor, I need to get baptized. He had been, his, his wife, what, who he said was his wife, the lady he said was his wife, I'll say, said, he had told me, my wife says she's going to divorce me if I get baptized, and she's going to take my kids. 
And so Burhanu got baptized. Well, shortly after that time, Burhanu came to me again and said, Pastor, that lady I've been telling you that's my wife, she's not actually my wife. She's my girlfriend. We've just been living, and it's common there again. It's becoming common in the city for people, young people, just to move in together and then call each other husband and wife when they've never made that commitment before God or before others in any way. And so Burhanu got convicted. I'm living in sin, and I need to make a decision. And Burhanu made the courageous decision to move out of living with his girlfriend and living in sin. And Burhanu began to continue to follow the Lord. And Burhanu recently finished through our discipleship program. And Burhanu's faithfully out every week. He's like our most faithful man right up there at the top with about 10 other guys that are just faithful as can be. And Burhanu right now is at our church. He's staying at our church the entire time that we're gone in the States because you always leave someone. Our church is a house and you always leave someone at your house. You never leave just a building empty with no one living in it for safety's sake. And so Burhanu lives there at the church, and Burhanu is one of my nearest and dearest brothers in Christ. And I, we just love him. He's been such a help to our family. He loves our family. Recently, Burhanu's five-year-old daughter suddenly died just a month or two ago. And we sat over there in time of great grief, in time of great burdens. But, you know, during that time with his little daughter passing away, I think we went to his house every day for 10 days and just sat with him and wept with him. Burhanu's family is all unsaved. But you know what they're seeing? Here comes our church family. Here's like 50 people loaded up in a couple of vans, unloading into his house. And his family's like, who are these people? This is incredible. And I've gotten to build a relationship with his family. And little by little, I got to stand up and share the hope we have in Jesus Christ, which is very unusual for Ethiopian setting there at his home, at his Orthodox sister's home who doesn't know Jesus Christ. But now, little by little, they're starting to want to come to Jesus Christ, want to know more about Jesus Christ. And I've been able to witness to Burhanu's father, who he's been praying will come to Christ. That's what happens when we just take the time to share the gospel and to guide others in the word of God. They grow to a point. Now Burhanu's bringing other people to Jesus Christ and he's bringing people to church. And it's so exciting to see the transforming power of the gospel. We have another young couple. You saw in our video a wedding going on. Just over a year ago, a year ago, I think last week, I had the privilege of performing my first wedding there in Ethiopia. And the young couple you saw are named Cutter and Tigist. Cutter's family, the man's family, is all almost all Muslim. And Cutter, again, had come to Christ, but he had come to the city not really following Jesus Christ. And not really, uh, you know, living for Jesus Christ. And he had met this young lady named Tigist, and they had moved in together. And again, we're calling each other husband and wife. Come to find out again, they finally admitted to me, you know, we're not really married. And Cutter made the courageous decision, and Tigist, we are going to split up for now from living together. We're going to go through premarital counseling, and he's going to work whatever, how many jobs he has to work to provide for his future wife now, and he has a little wonderful little daughter, the one that's holding my youngest son's hand in the last picture that was just taken like two weeks ago when we're out sharing the gospel with our kids and uh, the, ki- the other kids there. That's their daughter, um, uh, Deborah. But we had the privilege of taking them through premarital counseling. Cutter came to me shortly before that. Well, I originally met Cutter when uh, he started coming to our church, liked our church. Shortly after he came, he was guarding a property 
as a guard at a job, and these men came in with machetes to steal all the supplies and some guns, and one of the men cut Cutter's head wide open. And we helped Cutter through that time with some financial needs he had with the medical bills, and he grew to really love me and to love our family. And then Cutter kind of was getting discouraged with some uh, disagreements and division between him and, and his, what we found out was his girlfriend, not his wife. And he came to me one day, basically saying, Pastor, I, I was just going to leave, but you've done too much for me not to tell you that I'm leaving. And he came to me saying, I'm going back to the countryside. I'm done. I'm having this problem with Tigist and her family and this and that. I said, yeah, you're having a problem. We found out because you're living in sin. And God's not blessed that. God can't bless you when you're living in disobedience. And Cutter, through that time of counsel, decided to stay. And they went through that premarital counseling and recently celebrated their one-year wedding anniversary. And Cutter and Tigist are a bright light for Jesus Christ, doing wonderful things for Jesus Christ. What am I saying? The gospel changes lives. And we could tell you, again, many more stories about many people, over 250 people that have come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in the time we've been there in Ethiopia. All to the praise of God's glory and with many others helping us. But that's what God does when we reach the world like Jesus. We have been left a commission to go, to guide others and to share the gospel with them so that God can change them through the power of his word. Notice with me as we finish here. And as they went on their way, verse 36 says, they came unto a certain water and the eunuch said, the Ethiopian man said, hey, see, there's water right here. Here's water. What doth hinder? What stops me from being baptized? He'd seen people in Jerusalem getting baptized by the thousands. And he's going, hey, I'm now one of those believers. I believe Jesus is the Messiah. This and that. Well, Philip's going to make sure. What, what, what stops me from being baptized? One thing. Verse 37, and Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. If you believe, Philip, with all your heart, then you can get baptized. But belief always precedes baptism. And identifying with Jesus Christ, believing on Jesus Christ comes first, and then you publicly identify him with, with him through baptism. And notice what the Ethiopian man said. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Those are the sweetest words that can ever come out of someone's mouth. And there's no greater joy than having the privilege of leading others to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and watching God transform their life and see their families come to your church and see their kids learn the gospel in kids' class, see their kids come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior like we recently had 20 or 21 children come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior during our vacation Bible school. And then to see their families transformed through the power of the gospel, there is no greater joy. Notice what it says, verse 39, And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. You know what Philip was? He was an obedient Christian. He was a real disciple of Jesus Christ. He didn't just add Jesus to his life for sake of convenience or sake of culture or sake of his family. He was all in for Jesus Christ. And what we need today in Honolulu, Hawaii, 
And in Legatafo, Ethiopia, are people who are all in for Jesus Christ, who will say, I will go, I will learn the scripture and guide others to know what I believe, why I believe it, and live it out and share it with others. And I will show and share the love of Jesus Christ wherever he calls me so that God's word and the gospel of Jesus Christ can continue to change lives, both here and around the world. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.